currently Lin-Manuel Miranda, dominates the musical theater scene with his blockbuster, Hamilton. In the 1980s and 90s, it was Andrew Lloyd Webber. But in the post-World War II era of the 1950s and 60s, Richard Rodgers and Oscar Hammerstein reinvented American musical theater for a modern audience. This is Reno Lovison, executive producer at chicagobroadcastingnetwork.com and theater reviewer for chicagotheaterandarts.com. In about 30 seconds, I'll give you my review with a Chicago spin on the book Something Wonderful, including my personal relationship with the works of Rodgers and Hammerstein. This doesn't have anything to do with the book review, but I just felt like mentioning that one of my poker buddies traveled from Chicago to Puerto Rico this month to see Lin-Manuel Miranda star in his blockbuster hit, Hamilton. Miranda mounted this production of Hamilton to raise money, increase tourism, and draw attention to the plight of our fellow American citizens who are still reeling from the devastation resulting from the hurricane that hit the island in 2017. It's perhaps pertinent to say in light of this act of contemporary activism, that one of the changes Rogers and Hammerstein helped to champion was to interject themes of social consciousness into many of their works, most notably South Pacific and Flower Drum Song, which addressed interracial marriage and racism at the height of the 1960s civil rights era. The book Something Wonderful, Rogers and Hammerstein's Broadway Revolution by Todd Purdom was published by Henry Holt and Company in 2018. I happened to read a hardbound copy obtained at the Chicago Public Library, Bud Longwood's branch. The author, Todd Purdom, is probably best known for his work as a political reporter for Vanity Fair, Politico, and the New York Times. Purdom, who grew up in Macomb, Illinois, about 250 miles southwest of Chicago, says the first professional musical he attended was Maine in 1968, starring Celeste Holm at the Schubert Theater in Chicago. He was eight years old, and he was hooked. I, too, was hooked on musicals about the same age, though a few years earlier. My mom liked to sing and encouraged me to sing as well, so at about age eight, she enrolled me in the Jack and Jill Players Chicago Children's Theater School, where I began a close acquaintance with the works of Rodgers and Hammerstein. My wife, who's a piano teacher and director of the Lakeshore Music Studio in the Lincoln Park Gold Coast area, encourages her students to be familiar with this popular repertoire. Because as a pianist, you may very well be called upon to accompany someone who wants to sing a Rodgers and Hammerstein tune, or may be called upon to be theater accompanist for your school play. We both believe that an early introduction to live musical theater encourages that the genre will survive by creating both performers and potential audience members. It's important to note that both Richard Rodgers and Oscar Hammerstein had long successful 20-year careers before they teamed up together to write some of the most popular musicals of all time. Oscar Hammerstein was the elder of the two and had written and produced Showboat with Jerome Kern in 1927. Based on a book by Edna Ferber, who incidentally spent some of her childhood in Chicago, the story deals with racism head-on and gave us musical standards still popular today, like Old Man River and Summertime. 
Richard Rodgers had been partners with the long-suffering Lorenz Hart, writing over 40 Broadway musicals, most of which are not much performed today. But some of their songs, like Blue Moon, The Lady is a Tramp, Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered, as well as My Funny Valentine, have become American songbook classics. Purdom's book, Something Wonderful, touches on the early life of the duo, who by the eve of World War II were beginning to have lulls in their careers, which was revived by their collaboration on Oklahoma, a production that continued the concept of introducing more dramatic elements and adult themes into the musical genre, which Hammerstein and Kern explored deeply in Showboat. Purdom tells us that the characters and images of rural America portrayed in Oklahoma resonated with homesick GIs and the war-weary American public. On a personal note, I was delighted to see mention of Howard De Silva, who originated the role of Judd Fry, the heavy in Oklahoma. He would later direct me in a play at the Goodman Theater. During the McCarthy era, Rogers and Hammerstein made a point of hiring blacklisted individuals, including De Silva and Jerome Robbins, which did not go unnoticed by the FBI. In spite of their political leanings, or maybe in some degree because of it, the two went on to create and produce a long string of successes over the next 20 years, including Carousel, South Pacific, King and I, Cinderella, and of course, The Sound of Music. Hammerstein particularly was known as a progressive, if not liberal, but Purdom points out that their political views would probably be slightly right of center by today's standards. Carousel, which is seen today as problematic on some level because of its treatment of domestic abuse, was their first post-war hit, and also dealt with death, the meaning of life, and certainly love, all themes familiar to a populace still traumatized by the experiences of war. These works had a huge influence on me personally, as we performed each of these musicals, with the exception of Oklahoma and South Pacific, at our Jack and Jill Theater near Wabash and Adams. And since shows like The King and I and Sound of Music featured many children, it gave me and my friends countless opportunities to perform in summer stock and road versions of these musicals. My claim to fame was appearing in The Sound of Music as Kurt at the Melody Top Theaters in Chicago and Milwaukee with Janet Blair, who's mentioned by Purdom as taking the role of Nellie Forbush in the National Touring Company of South Pacific in 1950. Three years later, I played Friedrich, again in The Sound of Music, at the Mill Run Theater at Oakton and Milwaukee, featuring Dorothy Collins, who in 1971 made her Broadway debut in Follies, written by Oscar Hammerstein protege Stephen Sondheim. That same season, Mill Run also produced The King and I, providing many of my friends good-paying gigs as one of the numerous children, and somehow landing me a job on the stage crew in this professional theater at age 13. There's a lot of good behind-the-scenes insights in this book for Sound of Music fans. One very interesting fact that I learned from Purdom's book is the fact that a Dominican nun named Sister Gregory, who headed the drama department at Rosary College in River Forest, a Chicago suburb, had befriended actress Mary Martin, who went on to originate the role of Maria von Trapp in The Sound of Music. Sister Gregory would become a close friend and trusted advisor to Martin and her husband, who were co-producers, as well as Rogers and Hammerstein, who consulted with her about the actions of the nuns in the play, as well as Maria's actions and motivations. It was important to Sister Gregory that the nuns be portrayed as human and not overly pious or sanctimonious. 
I think this is a great Chicago connection to one of the most successful musicals of all time. Something Wonderful is a very professionally written book that might even be described as scholarly with 25 pages of footnotes. But it's not dry. Purdom really does his best to show us the men behind the music, in spite of the fact that Rogers was a very private person and both men were products of a time when men did not routinely express their feelings openly to the people around them. In fact, the author reveals that each man was a bit insecure about the other actually felt about him, and years later were still uncertain about their friendship. As a theater reviewer for ChicagoTheaterAndArts.com, I was intrigued to see the many references to theater critics the author cited in his book. Many productions would live or die based on the comments of trusted reviewers. In spite of comments regarding The Sound of Music, such as, Don't see this show if you're a diabetic, Happily, the theater public was able to override the critics, who felt the play was too saccharinely sweet. In other instances, shows would close hastily after a series of bad reviews. Conversely, a series of good reviews ensured sold-out houses for months or even years. We learned from this book that Rogers and Hammerstein were excellent and even perhaps at times ruthless businessmen. Purdom pulls back the curtain and reveals a host of arrangers, choreographers, directors, scenic designers, and other collaborators who contributed significantly to the success of their productions, but most of whom went uncredited and certainly monetarily unrewarded in terms of royalties in the long-run success of the enterprise. The two took control of their properties, including the sale of sheet music, musical recordings, motion picture rights, and of course production royalties, which earned them, their investors, and their heirs tens of millions of dollars each. In the end, you will see that genius requires hard work. And if you're already a fan, this book will only enhance your admiration for two men who worked tirelessly and passionately to produce something wonderful. This is Reno Lovison, theater reviewer for ChicagoTheaterAndArts.com and executive producer at ChicagoBroadcastingNetwork.com providing and producing videos and podcasts of interest to those who love Chicago. Visit chicagobroadcastingnetwork.com and subscribe to our alerts to be notified when new stories are posted. Follow our podcast at Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and Podomatic. And look for us on Facebook. Hey, thanks to Scatterplot for the use of Foster Avenue Beach as our theme song. That's okay. We're going home.